and thanks for listening to this month's Northern Logger podcast. So in our December 2021 issue, we published a story by frequent Northern Logger contributor Eric Kingsley that was actually an interview with his son, Jack Kingsley, about something that Jack has been doing in the past year that we thought our readers might be curious about. Eric wrote, This past summer, my son Jack Kingsley headed out to Montana to be a wildland firefighter. Working for the Montana Department of Natural Resources and Conservation, he was based out of the state capital, Helena. After graduating high school and spending part of the year in the Rockies, firefighting presented him an opportunity to experience the West as few have. While this isn't northern or logging, his experience presents a unique look into how so many people outside the forest industry become aware of forests. So we decided to follow up with Jack and talk a little bit to him about his experience as an Easterner who grew up in the forest industry, who moved out west to fight fires, and about what his day-to-day life looked like doing that. What is your name? I guess we'll start with that. And how old are you and where are you currently located? Hey, uh, okay. So my name is Jack Kingsley. I'm 20 years old and I am currently located at Mount Washington in New Hampshire. Cool. And so you have been out west, but you came back east for the winter. Is that right? Yeah, I came back uh, back east. I spent the, the last year in the west and, and just came back east. Why did you go out to Montana? and uh, sign up to be a firefighter. Montana kind of fell, fell in for me, um, mostly because they're the, the people that call me back, but it ended up being a great place for me to be. And I'm, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be there um, for a lot of reasons. But I signed up to be a firefighter, one, because in my family it runs back. Now I'm the fourth generation. Um, everyone else had been a structure firefighter. I've always appreciated that world, but wanted to do it in my, my own way, which was... Uh, in the woods, which it just was a little bit more true to to who I was. What are the differences in the forests out there compared to those you grew up around in the Northeast? Sure. Yeah. I mean, elevation gain and loss is definitely a lot different. I know that when I was in Montana, we were usually hovering right around 3,000 to 7,000 feet above sea level. Usually, in the forest that I, I grew up right on the ocean. So, I mean, I was pretty used to to woodlands that were closer between a hundred to a thousand feet above sea level. I feel like out there you get a lot more fuel, fuel loaded timber, um, meaning that they have more timber and more fuel than maybe healthy. And that is uh, a lot of times a result of, of past fire policies. Yeah, that makes sense. What what would your typical day look like as a wildland firefighter? Yeah, so for wildland fire, um, I was on a initial attack unit, which means that you can think of us as first on call, first on scene, you're on try to take care of it um, before it runs away on you, which is um, within the first 72 hours of, of the first call, um, which also means that we stayed ready 24-7 to get any calls. Um, even if it was the middle of the night, you still, you know, would pick up the phone if you're the, only the first one out. So 24-7, you're always ready to go. And if you didn't get a call at night, you'd wake up in the morning, go to briefing at 8.30, and you're at briefing, you're going to talk about weather conditions, current fire conditions. You're going to talk about 
the situation report nationally, which just gives you an idea of where the resources are in the country. And then you're also going to talk about something called six minutes for safety, which is just uh, usually a case study of some tragedy fire or just something to be looking out for um, to, to kind of keep our minds moving in the direction of safety and just staying operationally aware. And then after that, um, after briefing, you want to go straight into an engine check. You just want to make sure you got to check underneath the hood, check your pumps are rolling, make sure you got your saws, your gear for the day, and you're ready to rock. From there, you get uh, a couple hours to work out, moving into lunchtime. And then after that, you probably want to be either training, talking about fire. It might be rolling hose or maintaining your chainsaws and your, and your hand tools. You really just odd jobs and, and little tasks until you get a call and then you're out the door. That's a full day, you know? I mean, it, it ends up being, it ends up being good. I mean, you get, you know, a, a pretty solid amount of time to, to exercise and, and, you know, you get your information first thing in the morning. So besides that, you know, you just, you know, taking one task at a time and just, you know, staying ready. Definitely. So can you talk a little bit about your crew and the specific type of wildland firefighting that you were doing? Sure. Yeah. So my crew was a, it was the Montana uh, Helena unit initial attack. So we were an engine unit, meaning that when we show up to, to fires, we were coming in effectively a, a, a lifted truck with a, effectively a flatbed on the back with um, a big water tank. And I was carrying water, um, chainsaws, our hand tools, pretty much all the equipment that we needed, lift and pickup trucks. We would roll in groups of three. That would be one engine. Our, our initial attack stands for, means that you're going to get the call first and you're going to try to get on scene and catch it before it becomes a million acre fire, a 10,000 acre fire. Um, one of these uncontrollable runs um, that we might see in like the Dixie Fire or in some of the more nationally, more national or news. We'll, we try to catch things small while usually we'll show up. We might be first on scene. We'll definitely be within the first operational period, which is usually 48 to 72 hours. It's a little bit of a different game than, than what we might call extended attack, which is a more traditional, really that 72 hour mark until whenever the fire is out, which could be months later. For, uh, for some of these fires, or even next year. You are trying to kind of run everything on the fly. You're trying to find, you know, establish all the structure um, while actively fighting the fire and getting information all at the same time. You're definitely trying to run and gun and try to, to wrap it before it, it runs away on you. That makes sense. I mean, I'm sure there's just so much of that that we don't even, that doesn't even hit the news cycle in the East. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, we we kind of focus getting what we might call like a good catch, which might be you know you show up on scene, it's two acres, you catch that ten, and you know that that's the end of it, and no one ever hears about it, and that would be that would be a pretty standard initial attack, you know, get um, get there early, it runs a little bit on you, but to get it wrapped and taken care of before it becomes a you know a major incident um, would be probably a good catch. And if it was going to run away on us, which sometimes happens, we're going to start setting up our, our incident commander, which a lot of times is one of our engine bosses, will start to set up the systems for other incident commanders and other, other teams to come in and take it to a new 
a new level from a you know incident command system five, which would be the simplest to to one. Um, they might try to start setting up, you know, divisions or finance sections or, um, you know, calling in extra resources, just trying to get it set up for the, the next operation period. Um, just trying to do everything that you can do. So do you have a favorite memory from from working out there? Yeah, I mean, the the nature of firefighting um, is it's pretty cool because we spend so much time together in our unit that, um, you know, you get really close to those people. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot of, like, goofy memories just of, of hanging out with those really incredible people. But I think maybe maybe one of, like, the best firefighting memories was we had a fire um, in the south hills of Helena, um, which is, is kind of a suburban area. And there was a little kid after the fire. We, we caught it, and uh, there was a little kid that came up and, you know, we were able to go over to him and, you know, he'd hold a Pulaski and give him a couple of stickers. And he was uh, incredibly stoked, incredibly stoked. Um, and and was really just super happy to like see us and, and be able to hold a Pulaski and, like, you know, wear the hard hat. I don't know. It, oh, it was wow. just cool. To- <laughs> that sounds really sweet. Yeah, it was a very sweet moment. He, like, you know, like was, like, taking pictures with his mom and, um, wouldn't let go of the sticker because it was like, you know, he like was not letting go on that thing. It was a, a smoky the bear sticker. And, you know, that was definitely pretty cool. Do you have a least favorite memory? Um, honestly, probably not. I think that like part of it is just, you got, sometimes you got to embrace the suck a little bit and that, and that makes it okay. Um, I don't think I, I had too many rights when it comes to like least favorite memories how much formal training did you get going into this or like how much of it did you just learn once you were there on the job i rookied in meaning that i had not had a year in fire before and um when i showed up there is two other rookies with me and we did what someone called our critical trainings which is especially when i sit you down um we sit right when you get to work on the first day you do a, a fitness assessment effectively um, running, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, and you have to pass certain cadet, like, you know, a certain, oh, we have a pack test, which is put on a certain amount of weight. I think it's 45 pounds and hike three miles. Don't, you shouldn't quote me on that, but there, there's effectively a put on weight and walk test. It's been a little bit since I've done it, so I can't remember the exact, exact numbers, but you're going to pass all those tests, make sure that you're physically fit. The next day after that, you're going to start on essentially classroom work. They sit you down, they bring you through, you know, what fire behavior means, what topographical influences would do, what different weather influences would do, how, you know, how to use an engine, case studies of tragedy fires. You're just slowly learning about or really the safety principles behind fire and just having a general understanding. And that, that goes for about two to three weeks. And then after that, you, we continue to take class on different things. So we'll have, you know, class on chainsaws, and then we'll have class on portable pumps, and then we might have uh, a discussion about a tragedy fire. But a lot of the learning as well is just, like, one, doing the job, seeing fire behavior for your own eyes, and two, just kind of always being with the crew and always discussing fires, you know? So always, like, when we're driving around patrolling, we might um, be sitting in the truck saying, all right, could you deploy here? Meaning, could you pull out your fire shelter? And then you might say, no, 
yeah, we could or we couldn't, and for these reasons, and you know, you just kind of keep a constant stream of of trying to learn, you know. And uh, I was really fortunate to have some some really good teachers around me, but that's that's definitely the culture just to continue to learn as much as you can. So, uh, is this something that you would recommend? people doing who maybe grew up around the forest industry coming from a background like you did? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> one, I had, I, I have a, a lot of passion for, I think the, the great job, great thing to do and a lot of fun Two, you spend a lot of time in, in the outdoors. You spend a lot of times in, in ranch country and then, you know, kind of random timber stands across the West. You get to hike around in places that not a lot of people be, get to be or put boots on the ground to places with no trail. If you're a, you're an outdoorsman, you're a woodsman or, or a woodswoman, you're, you definitely want to be in the right place. That's cool. So did you ever get scared when you were out there, like even beforehand going out? Were you apprehensive about the experience? I mean, yeah. Um, I think, you know, the first time you're eating smoke or, you know, like feel, feel some flat flame, you might, I think it's pretty common for people to have uh, uh, you know, a little bit of adrenaline rush was actually before I was done critical training, it was snow drift fire. It was when we showed up, it was one acre. I think it went to two, pretty small, taking up a good amount of smoke. But yeah, I, I had a pretty big adrenaline rush then. And my first big incident, uh, type three fire, I was had a pretty good adrenaline rush. But I think that's pretty standard in being in a, you know, in an environment like that. And, um, you know, experiencing, you know, a heavy smoke or, or heat for the first time definitely gets you gets you awake. Um, but you learn to to just you know, get used to it. Totally. Yeah, and, and as you get more experienced, people kind of can de- kind of develop a little bit of a study sense about, you know, what is a safe and unsafe environment. And me just being one year in, we're just starting to develop that skill, but a lot of times I feel like you might be more sketched about the topic of influences or about um, the weather conditions than, you know, heat or smoke. So do you want to do it again? Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm hoping to come back next next year, be back out west and dig a lot. Well, do you know what state you're aiming for? Still a little bit up in the air. Uh, anywhere in the west of the state, man, if I land back in Montana, I'd be incredibly happy with that, too. Cool. Yeah, and then so this winter, your uh, your dad said you were caretaking a cabin. I am. Yeah, I am um, nestled in Huntington's Ravine in Mount uh, Washington. Um, yeah, I'm caretaking the Harvard cabin, which is uh, a public use cabin and a refuge for mountaineers, skiers, and climbers to uh, pretty much to hang out and uh, and kind of use as a base for adventure. Um, in the backcountry, in the White Mountains. Sounds like a good balance. You've got the east in the winter and the west in the uh, fire season. And yeah, I pretty much just live in the log cabin in the woods, so it couldn't be, uh, couldn't be too much better than that. Totally. Yeah, I think a lot of the people that read our magazine and listen to the podcast would agree with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's the questions. Uh, thanks again for doing the interview uh, with your dad for the magazine and for doing the podcast version of it. I think people will really like hearing about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to this month's Northern Logger podcast. And thanks again to Jack for being willing to talk to us. If you haven't seen a copy of our 
December Northern Lager Magazine. You can always get one at www.northernlager.com. Happy holidays and talk to you in January. Bye.